Hello, you found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. And this is my birthday week. Yes. I'm going to be 66 big years old. On the 30th. I made it to 66, so that's pretty good. Full retirement age. I know. If only I had not been getting my retirement already, (laughs) I would be thrilled to be newly getting my retirement. But no, I've been getting that since I was 62. Mm. And we are going to, if it's still in the books, we're going to watch Hamilton together. Yeah, what's the date on that? again? That's Friday the 3rd. Okay, that's a good time. Yeah, I'm so excited about that. That'll be good. I used to say that I didn't know anybody who had seen Hamilton, and I I think I know two people who have actually seen the production on Broadway. Oh, yeah. The birds are mad at me because I'm talking and it's past their bedtime. Oh, that's okay. Um, It's charming. It's an element of charm. They're not too loud. Uh, I wanted to check in with you about Anne because I watched it all. Oh, isn't it brilliant? She is incredible. Yes. I mean, when she says, I want you to know I was fun. When she talked about her drinking. I remember when she got her Emmy Award. Paula Taylor? Yes, for her work on a series. And I don't remember the series, but she went up and she held the Emmy aloft and she said, overnight. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny, overnight. And I think she was nominated for, or maybe won a Tony for it. I'm not oh, sure. I hope she won a Tony. She was yeah. brilliant. I have yeah. rarely seen an actor inhabit a character so fully that you forget that it's an actor. I kept kind of closing and opening my eyes because I would realize that I was thinking that I was actually watching Ann Richards and not an actress portraying Ann Richards. So right. I just, I love her work and, and I love Ann Richards' work too. Because yeah, I it was great. Needed. I just love like, the secretary goes, it's Bill Clinton on the line and she's trying to get out of the office, you know, and she picks it up and she goes, well, hi, kid. <laughs> And what I loved about the performance was that you could see what a natural politician she was, mm-hmm. and that she thought like a politician, she thought yeah. like a lawmaker. That's right. And like you said, she really believed in what good government can do for right. the individual. Yeah, she had that understanding that it was very a very real, tangible need in people's lives for yes. good government to be happening. Yes. That it wasn't an academic exercise or some kind of political pipe dream. It was like it seriously affects real people in their daily lives. Yes, she is the mother of Cecile Richards, who was for years the president of Planned Parenthood. Oh, wow. There was something else I wanted to... Oh, I know what I wanted to tell you. Did you ever see Do the Right Thing? Spike Lee? Yes. About the pizza shop? Yes. Yeah, I saw it about a pretty long time ago, but I remember some of it. Danny Aiello, I remember. Exactly. I have to say, it was probably made for nothing. And Mm -hmm. it is so timely. Mm. I mean, there's a community. It's a largely Black community. There are white cops. There's a death, a wrongful death, inflicted by the white cops. Mm -hmm. It's just so to the moment and powerful. Yeah, I recommend it. If you you haven't seen it in a while, I really recommend watching it it again. It's like 20 years old or more. Maybe. I think it was 1989. Wow. So it's it's one of his first really well-known films. Wow. Can't believe all that time's gone by. I know. He's an elder statesman now. Yeah. But no, there are so many people who were in it. It's unreal. You know, in Better Call Saul, the actor who plays Gus Fring? Yeah. He's in it. Giancarlo Esposito. He's he's a kid. In fact, it took me a long time to realize that that's who I was looking at. Uh Uh-huh. He plays a character called Buggin' Out. I'm just telling you this in case you watch it because you won't recognize him either. Probably. Yeah, oh, and that's cool. Outstanding. And Danny Aiello and John Chichuro and mm. just so many people. Martin Lawrence is in it. 
it's it's just amazing and huh. really really worth watching again. I will check um, it out. Yeah, I'm not a Spike Lee completist, mm -hmm. just so you know, because I tried to watch this movie that's on Netflix, his newest movie called *De Five Bloods*. Yeah, and it's about four veterans and one who was killed in action while they were in Vietnam. They go back to Vietnam and want to bury his remains. I stuck with it for 20 minutes and I just said, this is way too much testosterone for me. I just couldn't keep with it at all. And I right. just watched Do the Right Thing and I was really excited because I'd heard it was great and I couldn't stay with it. Oh, yeah. He also did another film called Inside Man, which if you ever want to see a really great caper film, it is fantastic. Mm. And he does mm. genre pictures once in a while and it's really, it stars Denzel Washington and is Jodie, I feel like Jodie Foster is in it, but it's just so well done. It's mm. made like a clock. Mm -hmm. And there's a kind of film club on slate.com and they're going to be going over reviewing Malcolm X. And that, oh, wow. that also starred Denzel and was directed by Spike Lee. So I'm going to watch that. There was one other thing that I wanted to talk about that's a big thing. It was in the New York Times magazine section today. It's called What We Owe. And it's written by Nicole Hannah-Jones, the woman woman who did the 1619 project for the New York Times Magazine. Oh, right. And did, I think, all of the, like the podcast and the rest of the right. other things that kind of came out of that. And it's about reparations. Right. And it's really a history of how Black people were cheated there were these laws that meant that they could be arrested for anything. They could oh, be right. arrested for not having a job. Right. And so this massive group was incarcerated. And because they were incarcerated, this is also in 13th, mm. they could be made to work the fields again mm -hmm. or work at a steel company for no wages. And it's just, it's a really important piece. I think if anybody has the time to read it, it's very elucidating. It is a kind of a companion piece to that Tanahasi Coates essay that I mentioned before called A Case for Reparations. Mm -hmm. She's a very good writer and a very good writer in that she is an erudite and she doesn't get lost in her own desire to be impressive. She just really wants to get across the ideas. Mm -hmm. And I need that because, you know, I'm a slow reader. Well, I need yeah, somebody to... It's a lot of history that we just don't know about. Yes, and I think it's also history that we were never given, like you were saying last week. Not in the high school and junior high. No. And did you, what is it called? Yeah, Reconstruction. 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 I, you know, I was accessing the Reformation, but that's something in England about churches. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and redemption is a period of time that came right it's after fun Reformation. Knowing almost nothing about so many things. <laughs> So no, but you were saying something interesting about... Reconstruction. Well, there were several, I think it was seven total senators who were formerly enslaved people. I mean, it didn't last very long because right after the enslaved people were allowed to leave the plantations, Lincoln was shot. Mm -hmm. And then Andrew Johnson was his Southern, very racist vice president, took over as president mm -hmm. and took away land that had been given to those people. Mm -hmm. And basically that was the beginning of the Jim Crow era. Mm. And mm. this article also says that 6,500 people were lynched between the end of the Civil War and 1950. Wow. And that is two a week. Two people were lynched a week. Oh, so what does she, does she have a scheme for reparations that she recommends? I haven't finished the entire article, but okay. I heard her speaking about it on Fresh mm -hmm. Air. Boy, I just sound like the most... <laughs> 
<laughs> there's this book called Stuff White People Like, oh. and among them are things like Terry Gross and Fresh Air. Oh, yeah. And this American Life. Right. And, you know, I just am a white person. There's just no getting around it. So, well, and let's be frank, we are dinosaurs also, but that's our hook, boomerangst. So we have to embrace it. I mean, we're the prairie home companion generation. <laughs> <laughs> We're the people, I'm one of the people that actually paid money to go see Prairie Home Companion in person at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, so did I. And I thought he was so boring that I just couldn't stand it. I never listened to him after that. <laughs> Anyway, Terry so much Gross, before. the woman was on Terry Gross that wrote the article. And she, you know, she talked about the fact that African Americans no longer have the means to create generational wealth because they were cheated out of it at every turn. I mean, they were cheated out of it right. after the end of the Civil War. They should have been given the land that was used on the plantations in which they were enslaved and that the losers of the war would forfeit their gain. But in reality, the people who lost the war were given compensation for having lost the people that they'd enslaved. Now, oh. that's a mind bender for you. you know. And not only that, but, you know, children of the enslaved were not allowed to stay with their mothers. They were taken away. And a new generation of enslaved people was created with the children of the people who came to the plantations from Africa or wherever they were from. And many of them were the result of rape mm -hmm. by the white mm -hmm. plantation owners. It makes me so, think of, of the Toni Morrison book, Beloved, because it's about trauma and unprocessed, un unacknowledged trauma. And it was done on a huge scale, gigantic scale. I and never read the book. we have never really come to terms with it. We seem to be starting to. I fear that this is like a blip that's going to then fade in the background again, and, and we won't be talking about this a year from now. I hope that's not the case. But I, I, I mean, think we will be, though. As a country, we cause a traumatic event over a period of hundreds of years. Yeah. And we have not. We're like a we're like a person who went through some horrible physical injury and never got medical treatment, never got it set. What was beloved about? Beloved's about a woman who escaped over the Ohio River, but in order to do that, she had to make some really harrowing choices, and she also endured, had endured such horrible physical violence throughout her life, and so had the people in her family, and so it's about her struggle after she gets over the river from Kentucky into Ohio to set up a life and not get set back, and the compromises she has to make for her own freedom, and it's harrowing. But it's also inspiring, because you see a human being who's been through such unthinkable abuse, and still Toni Morrison shows you her dignity as a human being and it, it's inspiring but it's also like whoa yeah. you know you definitely yeah. need to take oh, a breath okay. i mean yeah. that one on my list Anyway, not to go on and on about it, but it is, you know, things kind of come along that are important reads. Right. Once in a while. Well, maybe, you know, if we get a Democrat in the White House and Senate and House, maybe this conversation will happen in a meaningful way. I think it will have to happen because I don't think it's going away. I well, just I hope it isn't. The federal government would have to make the reparations. I mean, it was discussed in the primaries right. debates, and I believe that it was Kamala Harris who brought it up and was talking about it. 
but maybe Elizabeth Warren did it as well. I'm not sure, but she may have been one of the people who was promoting it. Right. It's kind of up there with a universal basic income. It's a way of using our country's wealth to create a stopgap measure for people who need it. That would be mm -hmm. universal basic income. But reparations is a way of allowing people who were systematically kept out of creating right. their own wealth. Right. Her name is Nicole Hannah-Jones, mm -hmm. and she won a Pulitzer for the 1619 Project. Oh, really? And That's yeah, exciting. she's a MacArthur Genius Award winner as well. Hmm. So highly recommended. Highly. Well, highly things have shifted. This is the. I think they voted today or yesterday to take that Confederate flag off the Mississippi flag. Yeah. And that's a big deal. I mean, the fact that that could happen with what seems like not a lot of argument is incredible. It is. And in Mississippi. I mean, it's only place. a symbol, but it's an important symbol. And yeah, and it's in Mississippi, was, which is kind of almost seems like the last holdout of the old racial violence that the country was born from. And it's the state that had the most lynchings oh, of yeah. all states. So that's significant in and of itself. It is amazing that something like that, something that seems minor, mm -hmm. but is so symbolic mm -hmm. that it, once you see it, you can't unsee it. It has to be addressed. I watched Chelsea Handler. Mm. She did an hour documentary called, Are You There, Privilege? It's Me, Chelsea. Oh, right. I, I didn't watch it. I remember when that came out. It's interesting because she goes to attend a class that's given by a legal scholar. I think he may be a, a, a professor. I wish I remembered more about his credentials, but he has a number of young students who assemble to talk about issues of the day. And mm -hmm. she presents herself and says, basically, what is it that white people need to know? And the feedback she gets is, we're fucking tired of telling you white people what you need right, to Just right. get a fucking clue. Right. And, yeah, don't put me you know, in that position of being your and she, and tutor. And she heard it. She absolutely heard it. And mm. yet she was left with the feeling that I think we all have, which is, yes, but what do we do now? What do we do to educate ourselves, to enlighten ourselves, to, to not make the same mistakes that we've made in the past? And it was just very interesting because here she is, this blonde-haired, blue-eyed, highly successful entertainer, mm -hmm. and she's looking for answers. And ultimately, she had to go to a white person who had educated himself mm -hmm. and understood what she was seeking, but had gone through all of the self-examination and the right. and the social examination that it took to come to right. some more enlightened views. Speaking of COVID nineteen, yes, uh, how are you doing? With I am thriving. <laughs> I am thriving. Knock wood. I hope I don't catch anything. Today, I felt a little bit of a chill and I thought, oh God, but I think I'm okay. I think it was dehydration. But I went on my first social event. Oh, you went on a hike. I went on the hike last Monday. And how was um, that? As you know, I'm not a big fan of hiking, but I've, I've warmed up to it because I've been doing a lot of walking. We met where Commonwealth runs into Griffith Park. Oh, yeah. And two guys, friends of mine that I knew, and then there were all these other guys. So there were maybe 12 or 13 guys all together. Mm. And so I got introduced to these other guys. It's a gay group called Great Outdoors. And we walked up to this, there's a little footbridge way up in Griffith Park that we walked up to. And then we hiked back down and it took a couple of hours. It was good. It was strenuous, but not crazy. I don't know if it's because I've been locked in my house for so long, but when it was over, I and I went back to my car and back into my solitude, I got home and I felt great. Not really? just physically from the hike, but I had gone out we know we kept our distance and we had our masks on, but we were still talking to each other. And I don't think I'd been out in that kind of environment. 
I'd gone to Costco, but you don't talk to anybody at Costco. Well, I don't. Other people probably that's do. Not, that's not what I would hey, call it. What do you love? think of this grass-fed ground beef? <laughs> yeah, it felt great. And so I got to have a personal experience, the healing nature of simple human interaction, even with people you barely know. Well, that sounds different than when you were saying you were afraid that you never wanted to come out of your apartment again. Yeah, that's right. No, I, I've warmed up to socializing carefully. And then when I am in my apartment, I have the greatest regimen. I may have said this already, but I do yoga and I'm finding these great yoga tapes online. I do meditation, play the piano, practice sight reading and do my walk. So if I do those four things, I declare that my life is good. So that is good. Day, yeah, I should knock one of them out because it really is kind of time consuming, but um, <laughs> I'm enjoying it so far. And do you find that your work life is condensed or do you have to be available during the same hours? Well, I'm not sure who listens to this, so I have to be very careful how I answer that. <laughs> <laughs> or you could plead the fifth. I start a little later than I normally would when I'm going to work physically. I used to get to my office at 8, so I usually start my work around 9.30, uh -huh. but I work through and I work until usually 5.30 or 6. So well, it's a full day. day. And it's and we're busy so far. We're, we are busy. So, I mean, I do do my stuff, but then at nighttime comes and I do my, I do my four things. Oh, know? that's all at night. Wow. Well, yeah, I can maybe on a lunch break, I could do the meditation or the yoga but usually I just wait till the day is over. I congratulate you because I am not nearly that disciplined. It's all I can do to get my mountain bike into my car and, you know, get it out. Oh, right. I wish I've done a, last, a couple of times the last week. That's and good. yeah, it's been really good. You know, I'm still holding out for my spin classes to come back and that's oh, right. like that's going to happen. You know, I just had my first venture out in a dining situation. I went to Monsieur Marcel for my birthday, a pre-birthday oh, pre birthday dinner, and it was fantastic. Oh my God, can I tell you, I felt giddy. I just, I know I've been that excited to go to a restaurant before, but right. it was usually a very, very expensive restaurant for a very, very big occasion. And this right, was right. just being able to be with two people I really like, mm -hmm. have have a waiter, even though he was obnoxious in French and really worked my nerves. Uh, but just to have food that I hadn't made, yeah, I am yes. so sick of my own cooking. Can I uh, tell yeah. you how sick I am of my own cooking? Oy. Uh, and it was just fantastic. Hmm. I could not say enough about it. And That's now great. I was hoping to get a margarita on my actual birthday when I go out. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that would have to be at the bar next to the alcove. And I think that that might be closed. By the way, do you feel like having margaritas? I'll contribute if you feel like having margaritas on the eve of- um, No, we can have them. I think I have the fixings. All right. I can bring the limes. I have limes. Limes would be good. Limes would be great. I'm very excited about this Hamilton thing. I feel like I'm kind of going back to the dinosaur theme. When it comes to musical theater, well, there was this shift, but it was a long time ago, like in the 90s. There was a shift to these shows where it was about singing really loud and having this romantic duet. These mega shows like Miss Saigon and... You're talking about Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, Lloyd Webber. But I think there were other shows too that others wrote. And yeah, they were big and, and sensational and a lot Wicked? of spectacle. But the songs didn't sound too interesting to me. Oh, okay. So I sort of said, well, I guess my period has passed and I'll stick with my beloved Sondheim. And then Lin-Manuel Miranda came along and I incorrectly looped him in with these shows that I thought were kind of dull. And oh. it was only when I watched this special about how they did oh, Hamilton yeah. Yeah, yeah. that I saw that this is a new approach to Broadway theater that's every bit as compelling and challenging and thrilling as the old style 
that I was into the, the Sondheim move. And so I, I've had my eyes reopened because I was, I was a bit of a, uh, a, snob, a snob, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> That's all my long-winded way of saying that I'm excited to see Hamilton this week. On Broadway, Catherine and I saw In the Heights. Oh, and right. we saw that with someone who was in high school musical and... And then it came here to the Pantages and Lin-Manuel Miranda was in it. What was interesting was the Broadway production was better, but Lin-Manuel Miranda was better. Was better. So I'm so got glad it. that we got a chance to see both of them. But it is all rap. There's no speaking really involved. I think you'll really enjoy it. I, mean, I know I'm, I will because of that special that I already saw. I got a taste of it already. Yeah, I think we watched oh, it together. Yeah, and the show I've been watching on TV, I just realized they've talked about Hamilton and Burr and Jefferson and all these disagreements they had and how they had to go to New Jersey to have the duel between Hamilton and Aaron oh, Burr because duels had been outlawed in New York. Oh. Was, I just thought that was hysterical. They would take a <laughs> boat across the river so that one of them could get killed. Yeah. I think we're at time. So Great. say goodbye to our boomer friends. Bye, boomers. Bye, boomers. Stay healthy. Yep. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.